أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسوله سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وبعد. You guys go ahead and sit up comfortably, inshallah. So we continue um, the chapter that we started last week, which is the Babu ما يقوله إذا ركب دابته للسفر. The the du'as that a person calls. Uh, on Allah Ta'ala with when they sit on their means of conveyance or they begin their uh, uh, their their travel. An Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Sarjisin radiyallahu ta'ala anhu qala kana Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam idha safara yata'awwadu min wa'atha'i safar wa ka'abbatil munqalib wal hawri ba'dil kawn wa da'watil mazloom wa su'il manzari fil ahli wal mal. Rawahu Muslim wa fi Sahih Muslim. So this is a uh, a collection of things that Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam narrated by Abdullah bin Sarjis. Uh, a collection of things that Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam used to seek refuge from. He said that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, when he would travel, he would seek refuge in Allah Taala min safar from the 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 shidda and the the difficulty the rigor and and uh, intensity of of difficulty in travel munqalib and uh, that he should return in a way that uh, 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 that 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 he sees his home and his wealth and his uh, uh, state changed uh, for the worse kaaba is taghayrun nafs uh, that the nafs should change, that the state of the nafs should change from a state of happiness to uh, a state of <coughs> a state of uh, uh, a sadness or despair or something of the like. Walhauri ba'dil kawn, and that a person uh, and that he should be. Hawr uh, is uh, 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 the same, uh, the same root as hayran. Hayran is a word that we also use in Urdu. Uh, 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 Hayran is the person who is uh, perplexed by things. So you thought you knew what was going on. You thought you knew who was good and who was not yesterday. But today you're perplexed by people or you're perplexed by stuff. Uh, and you don't know what to do anymore. You don't know what to think anymore. Um, and so Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he asked Allah Ta'ala for refuge that a person should be perplexed after being on the path of istiqama. al kawn here literally means, uh, <coughs> I guess uh, uh, the, the word literally means uh, to exist. Uh, but uh, uh, um, Arabic is an interesting language that the verb to be is usually not mentioned. So you say, like, if you want to say, I am big, you just say, ana kabir, which is like, I big. Right, it's the the verb to be is usually not stated, and in fact, one of the awkward things uh, about uh, about that is what is the idea that that there are certain verbs that they reserve for like serious occasions. So, for example, in English, you can say like I'm a content creator, or I created you know I created a piece of art or whatever. Whereas in Arabic, you you're not a content creator. You're at maximum a content uh, manufacturer, right? So you'll use the word sana'a, which means to manufacture or fabricate something. Um, why? Because creation is only Allah Ta'ala can do it, right? So if you were to say that, like, this is, I created this, you know, I created this piece of, you know, piece of art, you know, someone will rightly be able to ask you, what did you, like, did you fabricate the, the, the matter that it's made out of? Was it nothing and you snapped your fingers and it started to exist or whatever? <clears throat> so just like that, the verb kon in Arabic, uh, um, this is a, a, even a debate with regards to the mutakallimun, the scholars of, of aqidah, that uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the mukawin according to the, the, the position of the maturidiyah. Uh, he's the one who he's the only one who really is, and he's the one who generates, who generates being. So the being is not normally attributed to a person. That being said, when the when the when the verb is used, it's either used for a grammatical necessity, uh, in order to avoid, 
ambiguity or for a matter of emphasis. So here, al-hawri ba'd al-kawn, it means al-hawri ba'd al-istiqama, that you were on the path. Like it's an emphasis that you were on the path and I seek refuge from being, being perplexed after having been on the path, being solid. Right, having having been solid. Uh, that being said, this same <coughs> hadith is, or this same du'a, I should say, is narrated uh, in different uh, 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 in different narrations of uh, uh, of the hadith of the Prophet Imam Nawawi writes in his notes, "Walhuri ba'd al-kawni bin Nuni wa kaza rawahu al-Tirmidhiyu wa Nasa'iyu wa qala al-Tirmidhiyu." يروى الكور بالرائي وكلاهما له وجه قال العلماء معناه بالنون والرائي جميعا الرجوع الرجوع من الاستقامة أو الزيادة إلى النقص قالوا ورواية الرائي مأخوذة من من تكوير العمامة وهو لفها so Rasulullah says that that uh, this word cone it's narrated both with the noon uh, uh, as cone uh, by Tirmidhi and Nasai and Tirmidhi says uh, says in his marginal or not his marginal but in his denotes that he gives in his Sunan that it's also narrated as the word Kaur with a Ra al Kaur uh, and he said that both of them are, are legitimate narrations uh, um, and then Nawawi rahimullah ta'ala says that the ulama of hadith say that the meaning of Kaun with the Noon and Ra a Kaur with the Ra both of them they mean the same thing means that I seek refuge in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that I should ever return to a previous state after having been firm and dedicated and regular on the path or that I should return to a state of a lesser state after having had a greater state um, and Nawi rahimullah ta'ala says that when in the word kawr with the ra it's uh, um, taken from takwir al-imama. Uh, uh, the imama is the turban, and takwir means to wrap it around uh, 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 and to set it in place. So al-hawri ba'd al-kawr means that I seek refuge in Allah Ta'ala from, uh, uh, from being perplexed after having had it all together, having had, it every, had everything wrapped up and tied up properly. Just like a person's turban, when it's tied up properly, it's good. In the middle of tying it, if you drop one side of it, the entire thing will unravel. So it means, right? So the 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 the, the turban being tied up is being used as a metaphor for uh, <coughs> for having your act together. And perplexity is a uh, is is the state that describes uh, that describes not being not having your your your, your stuff together. And he says that with the, in the narration with the noon, al-hawri ba'd al-kawn, it means that, that a person should be absent after having been in the place that they need to be. And uh, so this expression itself is a, uh, uh, this expression itself is a, um, a dua that Allah Ta'ala preserve a person's iman. Right? The, the hawr is kufr and the kawr is what? Is iman that I seek refuge in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that after having known what's right and having had my act together that the, my entire deen and my entire state should unravel and it happens to people there are some people who uh, go from extremes you know I mean it happens to all of us in, in uh, little ways you know throughout the day or throughout the week or month or the year right obviously you're not the same <coughs> outside of Ramadan that you are in Ramadan you're not the same when you're not on hajj than when you are on hajj. You're not the same, you know, when you're in the masjid than when you're not in the masjid or when you're alone and nobody's looking at you or at least you think that nobody's looking at you. Uh, uh, um, those little changes, they happen. Uh, but qualitatively, it happens also to people. There are certain people that you'll see uh, that at one point you marvel at their knowledge or you marvel at their iman or you marvel at their, their diligence in the deen. 
and then you may see that person completely falls apart afterward. Or you may see that person, it happens sometimes that you may see that person also uh, uh, completely uh, 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 like leaves, leaves Islam as well. These things happen. There's a very, uh, 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 very perplexing story with regards to uh, uh, one of the mashayikh uh, who's actually a great narrator of hadith and he, is also, he was also one of the companions of Imam Junaid It's a very long story And we won't quote it in its, in its entirety But uh, a person who was like a master muhaddith They say that he uh, 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 If he once passed through uh, uh, He once passed through a village of Christians And uh, he kind of looked down on them uh, uh, In arrogance And uh, uh, um, Allah tested him that he passed by a house and he saw a, 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 a woman and he fell in love with her and he went into and he knocked on the door and her, her father, he asked uh, to marry her and he said that I'll only marry her to you if you accept Christianity and uh, whatever Lata tested him with uh, uh, it came over him and so he accepted that offer and so he went from a muhaddith to marrying to becoming a murtad to marrying uh, to becoming a a, uh, <coughs> uh, um, an apostate and then marrying the, 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 the daughter of this Christian man who incidentally was a swineherd so uh, he, he worked with his new father-in-law uh, and he, uh, 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 he used to herd the pigs and have a cross in his, uh, in his neck and his students came to him and pled with, pleaded with him like what is this, what's going on You know, these kind of weird things they happen uh, uh, this dramatic of a uh, 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 this dramatic of a uh, uh, <coughs> of a change is fortunately rare, but uh, the idea is that if it could happen to someone like that, it could happen to any of us. And so, at any rate, so you know, his students came and pleaded with him. They would weep when they see they see the state he was in, and they would plead with him. They said, "How could you do this? You used to narrate the hadith of the Prophet Their aqidah doesn't even make sense." You know, like what, what, what even attracted you to it? Uh, don't you, you know, remember uh, uh, anything from you know your knowledge? And he would say, he would say, I forget which ayah it was, but he would just remember uh, some ayah that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala will never forgive. Uh, he just would read one ayah that Allah Taala will never forgive a person who dies in the state of kufr. Uh, um, and he'd say, other than that, I forgot all of it. So years passed by, years passed by, uh, and then one day. Uh, uh, he, he himself like snapped out of it and he went and made toba, and uh, he accepted the deen again and his wife also then uh, uh, accepted Islam afterward and the mashaykh you know kind of considered and pondered over uh, his state that what was it that caused all of this so there's like that's, that's a long tabsirah that they do the point is is this is that our aqidah is that iman is given and taken away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala it's not something that a person generates on their own. Uh, uh, rather, it's a tawfiq from Allah Ta'ala that a person receives their iman. And who is going to be on iman was written before Allah Ta'ala created the heavens and the earth. And who is going to be in the fire was written by Allah Ta'ala before He created the heavens and the earth. And a person, you know, will probably have like a hundred questions with regards to predestination and fate and all of these other things. And uh, if you have those questions, my suggestion is that you listen to the Aqidah Tahawiyah course there's a, a lot of uh, discussion with regards to it over there. But the point is that once you accept uh, the aqidah of the, the Ahl Sunnah, that, that Iman and that Kufr comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the proper response to this reality or the proper way of accepting this reality um, is to ask Allah ta'ala constantly to secure and vouchsafe your Iman for you. And if, the path of the, and if you're a person who does that with sincerity, it's a sign that Allah ta'ala wrote Iman for you. And the improper response to this knowledge that the iman comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is to say, well, you know, if I'm going to go wherever I'm going to go anyway, then what the hell? And if a person has that response and that's what appeals to their, their logic, uh, to their mind and to their reasoning, <coughs> that's a sign that, that Allah ta'ala didn't write something good for them. That's a bad sign. A person, if they have it inside of them to change that, uh, they should change that response. Allah ta'ala is the only one who can write. Iman for a person that a man should ask Allah Ta'ala, Ya Allah, even if you wrote for me to be from the people of the hellfire, erase your hukum and write for me to be from the people of Jannah. And Allah Ta'ala does it. 
uh, now uh, this you know this explained a person said well then does it mean you have free will you have the ability to change the qadr of Allah Ta'ala and the divine predestination and the answer is yes and no yes in a small way and no in a much more profound uh, way Yes, in the sense that there's a hadith of the Prophet ﷺ that nothing can change predestination other than the du'a, the, 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 the prayers of a, a, of a person. Uh, but those prayers are also part of the qadr. So somewhere in the loh mahfuz, your kufr is erased and iman is written for you. But somewhere else in the loh mahfuz that you didn't notice, it's written that you would make du'a for that as well. And that, would have ha- that was going to happen. Um, and so both of, these, uh, both of these things, they have a reality, but it's important for the believer to understand which is the lesser reality and which is the greater one. The lesser reality is your choice because it's connected to you. The greater reality is the predestination and the knowledge of Allah Ta'ala. Why? Because it's connected to Allah Ta'ala. So it's part of your adab with Allah Ta'ala that you always hold that inside of your heart. And it's part of your job as the slave that you keep asking. That you keep asking until your dying breath, until the day you leave, you leave this world. Whether you're a good person or not, uh, you keep asking Allah Ta'ala for, his, for your faith. So Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, obviously his, his khatima and iman is predestined and it's, it's revealed uh, in the Qur'an itself. Uh, uh, <coughs> so it's not something he needed to ask for himself. Rather, A, it's his adab with Allah Ta'ala that he keep asking for it because that's what Allah Ta'ala loves from his slave as we'll read in a, a narration that's coming. And B, it's a sunnah for us as well because we don't know, there's no ayah in the Qur'an that says that, you know, all of us are going to Jannah. Inshallah, we'll go. Person should and Allah Taala says that I am as my slave thinks of me. It's a hadith Qudsi narrated in Bukhari, nonetheless. So you should always, you know, you shouldn't, you shouldn't be uh, one of those people that's like, oh, you know, my my car, I got into a car accident because of my sins, or I got into my house, you know, my whatever pipes burst because of my sins. Or my this happened because of my sins, or that happened because of my sins. Don't be like that. Don't be like, oh, I, I got sick because of my sins. No. When you committed your sins and you asked Allah Ta'ala for forgiveness, He forgave you. All of these things, they're for some other, some other thing that's a benefit on top of it. Don't, 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 think that, don't think about Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala that He's there to like, you know, beat the snot out of you just so that you can get to zero. You're, you should think of Allah Ta'ala as much more, far more generous than that. And two things, two things benefits you'll receive from this. One is that, uh, uh, <coughs> one is that you will, uh, uh, that, that you will not run, a, that you will benefit from this hadith that uh, Allah Ta'ala says, I am as my slave thinks of me. Because what's greater, how good you can think of Allah as, or how good Allah really is? However nice you can think of Allah as being, Allah Ta'ala is far better than that. And He's far more generous and He's far more merciful than that. And He's far more gentle and He's far nicer than that. Right? So the cap is not your imagination, or the cap is not what He is, it's what you think of Him as. And so the better you think of Him, uh, uh, the, the more you'll benefit from, from His goodness, which is itself unlimited. And the second thing is, <coughs> the second thing is, is this is that that's part of the, the, the right of Allah Ta'ala that you should acknowledge. You should acknowledge that once you said La ilaha illallah, that, it, that Allah Ta'ala, it means something to you. And by it meaning something to you, you acknowledge that it means something to Him as well. Uh, that Allah Ta'ala is not going to make like, mashallah, like you know, for, uh, three and a half billion kuffar and they're enjoying themselves and He only created you so that you can, like, you know, uh, live a horrible life just to get to zero where everybody else is already. Uh, this is not, this is not, I mean, there are different paths that people and different mashayikh have, have chalked out and taken, but Allah knows best. This is from the, the, the people that I consider to be the awliya of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I've never seen them walk around with like a persecution complex that Allah ta'ala is like making them, you know, whatever, carry a cross or whatever. That seems to me to be a, almost a Christian way of looking at things. Of course, if Allah Ta'ala did, did give you your difficulties to punish you so that your sins are cleansed in this world, this is not like a bad thing. Why? Because if it's cleansed in this world, then you won't be punished in the hereafter. But you should also remember, He doesn't have a need to punish you for anything, right? The aqidah of the Christians is Allah has to punish everything, right? Um, but we don't, we don't have that aqidah. Allah Ta'ala can do whatever He wants to. Whatever He does, that's what justice is. He doesn't have an external standard of justice foisted on top of Him. So, this... 
this asking Allah Taala, "A'udhu billahi min al-hawri ba'd al-kawr or al-hawri ba'd al-kawn." This is <coughs> part of a, a, the adab with Allah Taala that you should continue until your last breath to keep asking Allah Taala to, to vouchsafe your iman. And then once that happens, inshallah, you should also have confidence. Confidence means what? You're not like they're 100% that you know for a fact that you're going to die as a Muslim. But inshallah, you have good hope. Because what you know about Allah Ta'ala leads you to believe that, that unless you do something utterly horrible, which you don't plan on doing, inshallah, uh, 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 you'll, be, you'll be okay. And the fact that you asked Him to give you the iman is a sign that He'll give it to you. If you weren't asking, then you, you can be afraid or you should be afraid. But the fact that you're asking itself is a good sign. Uh, and so you, you keep asking. Uh, and I seek refuge from Allah Ta'ala in, uh, uh, against thee, the, the, the prayers of the oppressed. Which is something a person should seek refuge in Allah Ta'ala from anyway. But uh, <coughs> especially as a traveler or someone who's new to a place, uh, we shouldn't forget that this land that we live in was a land that, that was taken through zulm. Uh, and that uh, there are people who have a haq against us. Even sometimes in the clothes that we wear, even sometimes in the shoes that we wear, even sometimes in the food that we eat, there, were, there are people who there's some zulm that happens to them. There's a haq being taken away. I'm reading articles about how ICE is like going crazy now the immigration customs enforcement they're going crazy on basically any immigrant they see even people who are like grandfathered in with exemptions they're they're just trying to throw everybody out so they're giving reports that like there are farms in the south that like nobody's working at anymore <coughs> because nobody wants to do those jobs so you know uh, there are there are a lot of things that we benefit from that uh, that are like built on a fundamental unfairness that one man should one man should do the same amount of work and be entitled to, by the law, uh, a certain amount of pay and another person shouldn't. Uh, this is a fundamental unfairness. And remember, remember this. Everybody shouts a slogan. The proof is in the pudding. Okay? America is our country. So we have an obligation to it because we were born and raised here or some of us immigrated here and we made it our home. Either way, we have an obligation to this country. It doesn't mean everything it does is right. Uh, uh, and America screams and shouts and says that it's the land of the free and the home of the brave. And the fact of the matter is, in the founding document, it's you know said that slaves are to be counted as three fifths of a person. Someone might say, "Well, that was a long time ago. The Constitution has been amended since then." But there are still all sorts of <coughs> types of slavery that are that are still there in slavery and fractions of slavery that are still there in the system. Uh, like people who are unjustly un- incarcerated or people who actually break the law but there's selective enforcement on different demogra- demographics, ethnic minorities, poor people, and then those people end up you know, doing basically uh, labor for, uh, uh, for these private for-profit prisons and uh, uh, whatnot. So there's, there's still a lot of zulm going on. And we benefit, we benefit from it. We as Muslims, we benefit from it. Whether we be whatever community we are, you know, uh, we benefit from it. Why? Because Islam allows us to uh, uh, manage our lives in such a way that we oftentimes have a higher success rate at, uh, at steering clear of running afoul of that system. A person who their mother and father are married, they're statistically, you know, even if they are from the hood, you know what I mean? Their mother and father are married and they're in a stable relationship. Statistically, the chance of that child doing drug, drugs, the chance of that child doing crime, the chance of that child failing school, the chance of that child not getting a job, already dramatically reduced. Uh, and it's what did it? It's the dean. Uh, uh, and, you know, the fact that you can go to a masjid and you know people and it helps you get a job and it helps with this and it helps with that, even as imperfect as it may be in certain, uh, in certain uh, uh, communities, still it gives you a leg up over other people. Uh, and there are still people who are uh, unable to steer clear of being afoul of that system. And those people are mazloom, and uh, their du'as get answered. And uh, if we benefit from it, we should be afraid of that uh, du'a being answered. Now, that doesn't mean that just because you're doing good, you should hate yourself. Because, uh, you know, doing well for yourself, that's what every person should do. They should survive and they should thrive. But always remember in your success 
there is somebody else that was trampled on, even if it wasn't your choice or it wasn't your, uh, uh, it wasn't your decision to trample on them. And your haq is what? When you vote, you vote for not what's, you know, if there's a conflict between what's better for your pocket and what's better for, uh, what's fair and just for others, you should vote for what's just. And you should give back to the community. You should give money to the poor, you should pay your zakat, and you should do above and beyond that. That you should have patience with people, you should do all of these things so that this is a, a shield against the, the du'as of those people. Because even if a person is a kafir, even if a person is high on drugs, even if a person is committing zina and they're in a state of, of janaba, and uh, you know, all the way to the end you can describe the most horrible situation that they're in. If there's a dhulm that they have against you and you did nothing to absolve yourself from it, then their prayers will hit you just like they'll hit the man, both in this world and in the hereafter. And uh, that doesn't help anybody. It doesn't help you and it doesn't help them. Why not everybody uh, uh, help each other out in this world and then uh, their, uh, their prayers will be in each other's favor in the hereafter rather than, uh, rather than harming each other in this world and harming each other even more severely in the next world. And that the Prophet ﷺ used to seek refuge in seeing something evil uh, in, in, in one's uh, family and one's property, that, you should, that he should return from the trip and, and see their family has changed, for, it's changed to a worse state or that something bad has happened to their property. And Sayyidina Ali ibn Rabi'ata qala shahidtu Ali ibn Abi Talib radiyallahu anhu utiya bidabbatil liyarkabaha falamma wada'a rijlahu firrikabi qala bismillahi falamma stawa ala zahriha qala alhamdulillahi alladhi sakhara lana hadha wa ma kunna lahu muqrinin wa inna ila rabbina lamunqalibun qala sorry thumma qala alhamdulillahi Alhamdulillahi thalatha maratin Thumma qala Allahu Akbaru thalatha maratin Thumma qala subhanaka inni zalamtu nafsi Faghfirli innahu la yaghfiru dhunuba illa ant Thumma dhahika Faqila ya amir al-mu'minina Min ayy shayin dhahikta Qala ra'aytu al-nabiyya sallallahu alayhi wa sallama Qala kama fa'ala kama fa'altu Thumma dhahika Faqultu ya rasulallahi من أي شيء ضحكته قال إن ربك سبحانه يعجب من عبده إذا قال اغفر لي ذنوبي يعلم أنه لا يغفر ذنوب غيري رواه أبو داود والترمذي وقال حديث حسن وفي بعض النسخ حديث صحيح وهذا لفظ أبي داود علي بن ربيعة uh, narrates that uh, I witnessed Ali ibn, uh, Ali ibn Abi Talib karramallahu wajhahu wa radiyallahu ta'ala anhu Sayyidina Ali radiyallahu anhu that once uh, his riding beast was brought to him uh, to ride and so when he put his foot in the, uh, uh, in the stirrup uh, he said Bismillah in the name of Allah and when he uh, 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 was firmly seated on its back he said Alhamdulillah and praise be to Allah Ta'ala who uh, um, uh, brought this beast under uh, 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 my control or under our control and we had no power to subjugate it. Uh, and indeed we uh, are uh, to return to our Lord. And we talked about that from before. Subhanallah, sakhara lana hadha. This uh, uh, dua which is from the Quran is the dua to be said when riding a riding beast. And, and then he said, Alhamdulillah, uh, three times, praise be to Allah three times. Then he said, Allahu Akbar three times, that Allah is greater than, than uh, all else. <coughs> three times. And then he said, uh, 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 Subhanaka, glory be to you. Inni zalamtu nafsi. I have, uh, uh, I have transgressed my own soul or harmed my own soul. Thalfirli. Uh, uh, so forgive me. Innahu dhunuba illa ant. Because no one can forgive sins except for you. Uh, and then Sayyidina Ali radiallahu anhu, he laughed, uh, he smiled. Uh, uh, and uh, uh, it was said to him, O Amir al-Mu'mineen, O commander of the faithful, uh, what made you laugh? Uh, he said, Karamallahu uh, wajhahu, I saw the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa did just like I did. Uh, uh, meaning he said just like what, just like what I said. 
when riding his beast for, uh, for, for travel. Uh, and then he laughed. And I said, O oh, Messenger of Allah, uh, from, what thing, uh, from what thing are you made to laugh? And he said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Indeed, your Lord, glory be to him, uh, 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 <coughs> uh, finds, it, finds it wonderful when the slave uh, says, Forgive me my sins, uh, uh, knowing that nobody can forgive uh, his sins other than me. Uh, meaning what? This is what I made a reference to from before with regards to the qadr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That a person uh, asks Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the fact that they asked is a sign that they're going to be forgiven. The fact that they asked for iman and, and to be protected from kufr is that it's a sign that they're going to have iman and they're going to be protected for, from kufr. As long as a person keeps asking, uh, the, the, the arrow points in a good direction. Uh, and uh, once a person stops, then the arrow is pointing somewhere else. Uh, so this is the function of the slave is to keep asking. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then described already that, the, that his own function is to keep forgiving. That as long as you keep asking, he keeps forgiving Jalla wa'ala. Babu takbir al-musafir idha sa'id al-thanaya wa shibhaha wa tasbihihi idha habita al-awdiyata wa nahwaha the chapter with regards to the takbir of the, the traveler, takbir meaning to say Allahu Akbar, Allah is greater than all else. The, the takbir of the traveler when they uh, <coughs> ascend uh, a valley or something like it, uh, or, and their tasbih, their glorification uh, uh, of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when they descend. Uh, into a valley or something like it, and the prohibition from excessiveness in raising one's voice when saying the takbir or something uh, uh, like it. And so, you know, saying the takbir, mashallah, has become like a new thing now. You know, at first it was like we went from nobody knows the difference between a Muslim and a, a Hindu, right? Then 9 11 happened, and like, mashallah, all the Hindus and Sikhs are like, we're not Muslims, and they put out big poster boards and things like that. Ironically, I think actually Sikhs probably have gotten more like fatality from Islamophobia than Muslims do. I just wish people wouldn't kill each other for stupid reasons. Uh, uh, but at any rate, Allah Ta'ala protect all, all, all innocent people, whatever their background may be. Uh, um, so we went from that to now people kind of have some idea. Like, okay, there's like different kinds of brown people. Um, and now then people are like watching these videos of like whatever uh, Yahoo's in the backwoods of Syria and Iraq, like beheading people and like stabbing people to death and shouting, Allahu Akbar. And then they realize, oh, wow, other Muslims do it for other stuff, like cutting a cake at a birthday party. Uh, so now like it's starting to slowly become part of like people's, uh, 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 people's like culture over here, you know. So like I see this like in weird tweets by like celebrities or funny people and whatever that they'll like they'll say like Allahu Akbar for something like it's obviously not a Muslim and it has nothing to do with Islam but they're just trying it's like a show of emphasis for something um, and so anyway they're probably not going to come to Riyadh Salihin class but since you're here you may as well know it's a Sunnah not to like completely shout like a maniac um, I mean you shouldn't be killing people anyway uh, uh, so. A, don't kill people. B, if you do, don't shout Allahu Akbar if you do because it has nothing to do with deen. Um, and then C, there is a lot of stuff that has to do with deen. You can say Allahu Akbar and you can raise your voice, but just even in your raising your voice, try not to do it like a lunatic. عن جابر رضي الله تعالى عنه قال كنا إذا صعدنا كبرنا وإذا نزلنا سبحنا رواه البخاري. Bukhari narrates from saying Jabir ibn Abdullahi uh, may Allah Ta'ala be pleased with both of them, uh, who said that uh, when, we, uh, uh, when, when we used to be, meaning we used to be during the era of the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, when we would be traveling uphill, we'd be ascending something, uh, uh, the slogan would be Allahu Akbar, and when we would be descending, we would be, uh, the slogan would be uh, uh, Subhanallah. And uh, 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 this is from the adab of, of traveling. So you remember that next time when you take your whatever Spirit Airlines flight to 
whatever Minneapolis for a Masjid Hamza event or you know the like or you know Masjid Masjid Huda or whatever. It'd be cool if we had one of those type of masjids here, wouldn't it? Mashallah. Uh, uh, it'd be cool if like Masajid were actually like Masajid, but that's a different. We're not gonna go there right now. On Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu qala kana nabiyu sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wa juyushuhu idha alaw alaw thanaya kabbaru wa idha habatu sabbahu rahu abu dawuda bi isnadin sahih Abdullah ibn Umar may Allah ta'ala be pleased with both of them said that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and his armies when they would when they would ascend uh, a valley, they would uh, say the takbir that Allah is greater, uh, um, and when they would uh, uh, descend, they would say sub- they would say Subhanallah, uh, uh, meaning glory be to Allah. And Subhanallah is an interesting, it's an interesting uh, construct in the Arabic language. Sibaha in Arabic means to swim, and so Arabs are not originally known to be seafaring people. Although after the advent of Islam, the first navy of the Muslims was uh, commissioned by Sayyidina Uthman radiallahu anhu from uh, the many uh, from the many wonderful traditions in Islam that he started, uh, uh, um, it was commissioned by Sayyidina Uthman radiallahu anhu under the patronage of Sayyidina Muawiyah, and the first naval conquest of the Muslims was the the island of Cyprus, and the Muslims had a long and distinguished like naval history uh, after that. Um, people don't know the Ottoman Empire had a, a, a mighty navy, and at the end of its uh, <coughs> at the end of its reign, it had a modern navy as well. They actually had destroyers and like the big metal, like modern ships. Um, so you can see those things. People think that the Muslim world was some sort of backwards, like you know, because Ghazali didn't accept the Mu'tazila. Ever since then, Muslims have been like you know whatever uh, riding camels, but uh, that's stupid. And if you learn your deen from Twitter, then that's what you'll think. But at any rate, uh, um, originally the ancient Arabs, they weren't seafaring people. They were not people who really liked the, liked the water so much. So sibaha means to swim. And it has a connotation of distance. Because when you're walking, you can move much quicker than when you're swimming. There's a lot of more, a lot more resistance in water. Um, <coughs> so... Uh, uh, so it means subhanallah means that Allah Ta'ala's perfection and its greatness is so distant from our state uh, that it's unattainable just like a person you know imagine from Alcatraz you can see San Francisco but whoever tries to swim dies Uh, so imagine something even further than that it's impossible to get to so that's that's what it means we translate it as glory be to Allah Ta'ala because there are no Little translations of these expressions, and if you explain them every single time, it becomes too long. But it's good to know what they mean and to remember what they mean. That the Subhanallah is an expression of Allah Taala's tanzih, of His transcendence above His creation. Wa anhu radiyallahu anhu wa anhuma qala kana nabiyyu sallallahu alaihi wasallam idha qafala min al hajjiyah wal umrati. كُلَّمَا أُوفَى عَلَى ثَنِيَّةٍ أَوْ فَدْفَدَى كَبَّرَ ثَلَاثًا ثُمَّ قَالَ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهُ وَحْدَهُ لَا شَرِيكَ لَهُ لَهُ الْمُلْكُ وَلَهُ الْحَمْدُ وَهُوَ عَلَى كُلِّ شَيْءٍ قَدِيرٍ آئِبُونَ تَائِبُونَ عَابِدُونَ سَاجِدُونَ لِرَبِّنَا حَامِدُونَ صَدَقَ اللَّهُ وَعْدَهُ وَنَصَرَ عَبْدَهُ وَهَزَمَ الْأَحْزَابَ وَحْدَ متفق عليه وفي رواية لمسلم إذا قفل من الجيوش والسرايا أو الحج والعمرة وقوله أوفى أي ارتفع وقوله فدفدا بفتح الفائن بينهما دال مهملة ساكنة وآخره دال أخرى وهو الغليظ المرتفع من الأرض uh, 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 uh. <coughs> uh, Sayyidina Abdullah bin Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhuma narrates that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam when his caravan would leave from Hajj or from Umrah and in a different uh, narration from Muslim uh, from Sahih Muslim that if the caravan would leave 
uh, uh, from the armies and from the detachments uh, uh, that went out in the path of Allah Ta'ala or from Hajj or from Umrah when they would leave to go back home uh, uh, because all of these are what? These are incidences of a person who experienced the help of Allah Ta'ala and the faith and the, the, the divine outpouring of grace of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala either uh, through their having gone out in the path of Allah Ta'ala and received Allah's help and victory uh, or in uh, having gone out to visit the house of Allah Ta'ala and coming back with the great blessings that are contained therein. Uh, uh, that, that once leaving uh, on their way back home, so mashallah, all of you guys will probably end up going on Hajj and Umrah and or Umrah several times in your life. So you should memorize these du'as as well. Uh, uh, that, that when leaving, every time uh, uh, they, would, uh, uh, <coughs> they would climb a, a valley or uh, 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 some, uh, uh, some raised earth or elevated uh, land, um, he would say the takbir Allahu Akbar three times, and then he would say, uh, 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 then he would say La ilaha illallah that there is no. And this is in, this is important. Why? Because when you're leaving Makkah Mukarramah, Makkah Mukarramah is in the navel of a valley. So any direction you leave from, you're going to have to go uphill. So this doesn't mean that you say this du'a when you go uphill, if you go uphill. This means that you're going to go uphill, so you say the takbir when you start leaving, when you start climbing out of the valley. Because you know that the, 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 all those you know, tunnels and stuff like that, you usually have to go upward to, 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 get, to get to one of those tunnels. And there are certain tunnels that you don't have to, but you're in a tunnel. That means that before the tunnel was there, there was a mountain that you had to leave. So there's no way of leaving Makkah Karama without going upwards, at least in the old days, before they blasted through everything. Um, now there are actually entire landmarks and mountains that used to be there during the time of the Prophet wasallam that they're gone now. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm not super excited about that, but we're not going to get into it right now. <coughs> so... Rasulullah ﷺ, when he would climb, to make the climb of the valley out of, to, to, leave, uh, uh, to leave the hollow uh, of, of Makkah Mukarramah, uh, he would uh, uh, say the takbir three times, and then he would say that there's no God except for Allah alone, without any partner. Um, to him belongs dominion, and to him belongs all praise, and he uh, has power over all things, or he has ability to do all things. And then he says, "Aibuna ta'ibuna abiduna sajiduna li Rabbina hamidun." So this is a tanazur. Remember tanazur fi'lan in in hidayatul nahu when two fa'ils are competing or, or both share the same verb at the same time. Uh, so here. Abiduna uh, aibuna ta'ibuna All of these, they're the ism fa'il. They're the, uh, the, the, the active participle which functions like the verb and uh, 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 the maf'ul bihi is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, is our Lord I should say. So a'ibuna ta'ibuna a'abiduna sa'jiduna li rabbina hamidun means a'ibuna li rabbina ta'ibuna li rabbina a'abiduna li rabbina sa'jiduna li rabbina hamiduna li rabbina but Arabic has a uh, has a way of making it more brief without having to say without having to say all of them separately. Uh, and if you haven't taken Arabic grammar, then don't worry about it. Um, the <coughs> Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam would say, "We we turn uh, 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 we turn uh, in repentance to Allah subhanahu wa taala, uh, uh, and we worship Allah taala, and we uh, prostrate." Uh, sorry, we turn to repentance to our Lord, and we uh, uh, we worship our Lord, and we prostrate in our in front of our Lord, and we uh, praise our Lord. And there are two names that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala especially loves to be called by. One is Allahumma, uh, and uh, the other is the other is uh, uh, Rabbi or Rabbana. Rabb means the one who like personally took care of you. And so like the Rabbul Manzil is like a father of the household. So we don't mean it in the Christian sense, like oh, our father, like in some, you know, implying, implying 
genetic relationship. The tarbiyah that a father gives is an aspect, uh, or is, is, a, is a, a sifa or a, a, an attribute that a father takes. Um, and so we're saying that that attribute Allah Ta'ala has with us. But it doesn't mean that he's our father. But uh, a person is a rabb of something if they take care of it, if it's something in their charge, if it's something in their trust. And so when you take Allah Ta'ala as a rabb, uh, then he'll, he'll, he'll take good care of you. Uh, 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 and uh, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam had mentioned that he w- was an orphan and Allah ta'ala did his tarbiyah fa ahsana tarbiyati that Allah ta'ala was the one who, 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 who took care of him and who raised him and he said he raised me in the most beautiful way possible he perfected my, uh, uh, my, my, my tarbiyah uh, so Allah ta'ala loves these two names there's a question why is Allahumma Allahumma not Ya Allah so the the <coughs> there's like a a kind of like a grammatical there's a grammatical uh, reason for it. Allahumma is a, almost a an abnormal usage of the Arabic language, and the grammarians say the reason that it's proper to say Allahumma not Ya Allah is that uh, that Ya is the vocative tense. So you're like calling somebody who's far from you. And Allah Ta'ala, when you call upon Him, He's with you wherever you are. So you're not, it's not like a communication that's going from one place to the other. Rather, Allah Ta'ala is with you, you're addressing Him, but He's with you at all times. So the vocative case uh, um, where you're calling upon somebody is, is inappropriate in that, in, in, that, uh, uh, in that situation. And so the meme with the shadda at the end of it, is a, an archaic particle of Semitic language that's no longer used anymore that indicates uh, address but without separation. Uh, so it's like it's an it's a, it's a abnormal usage. It doesn't, that usage isn't made anywhere except for with uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So these are the two names that Allah ta'ala likes to be called, called by. So in this dua, you say that you, we repent to our Lord uh, uh, and we we worship our Lord and we make sajda to our Lord, to our Rabb, and we praise our, our, our Lord to our, our Rabb. Sadaqallahu wa'adahu. Allah Ta'ala who, uh, 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 who made true uh, to his, his pledge, uh, which was what? That he'll help his Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and all those who help him. Wa abdahu. And he gave victory to his slave, meaning the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Wa hazam al-ahzaba wahdahu. Muttafaqun uh, alayhi that he 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 dispersed and destroyed and defeated all of the confederates on his own. Meaning what the 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 aftermath of Badr was Uhud, and then the aftermath of Uhud was what that the Quraysh got all of the uh, they paid basically a number of large Arab tribes, most of whom are Bedouins. So they have huge huge numbers, um, easily mobilized for war. Uh, to, to come and sack Medina Munawwara and Sayyidina Salman al-Farisi gave the, the, <coughs> the, the, the suggestion that Medina which is only open from the, north, from the northern side that trenches should be dug uh, in order to uh, control, have controlled access points by which people can enter into the city um, and uh, uh, so that the, all the confederates were stopped there and they then laid siege to Medina Munawwara so nothing could get in and out but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through his help uh, and through the wind and wind storms, sand storms, other things that happened, he, he dispersed that army which would have otherwise still been able to overwhelm Medina Munawwara. So this is something that, that's immortalized and remembered again and again that the same Allah ta'ala who did that uh, for the Muslims uh, in that place, he'll do it for, for the Muslims uh, every, every place where they raise his flag. Which doesn't mean that the Muslims will never be defeated in battle or be frustrated in their plans. But the promise of Allah Ta'ala is that this ummah will always be protected. If someone loses from one side, someone else from the other side will be protected. That the entire ummah won't be destroyed all at the same time. Which in and of itself is a, a special type of help from Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala. One Sayyidina Abi Hurairah radiAllahu ta'ala anhu anna rajulan qala ya Rasulullahi inni uridu an usafira fa'usini Qala sallallahu alayhi wa sallam alayka bi taqwa Allahi wa takbiri ala kulli sharafin 
فلما ولى الرجل قال اللهم طع له البعد وهون عليه السفر رواه الترمذي وقال حديث حسن سيدنا أبو هريرة رضي الله تعالى عنه he said that a man uh, said oh messenger of Allah uh, I wish to travel so give me some advice and he said sallallahu alayhi wa sallam you must fear Allah uh, 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 I, 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 I make an order for you that you should fear Allah Ta'ala and that you should uh, uh, say Allahu Akbar whenever you uh, whenever you go up to some elevated when you go up to, uh, to an elevated path uh, and that person when he turned around to leave uh, uh, Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam prayed for him he said Allahumma O Allah uh, uh, fold up the distance of uh, of his uh, travel, meaning make the make the travel uh, uh, seem quick. Wahawan alayhi safar and make the make tra- the travel easy for him. It's a hadith of Tirmidhi, <coughs> which is what this is uh, a proof of another thing that you should not just the traveler should make du'a for the person who is uh, is. Is not traveling, but the person who's not traveling should make du'a for the traveler as well. When Abi Musa al-Ash'ariyi radiyallahu ta'ala anhu qala kunna nasiru ma'a rasulillahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallama fakunna idha ashrafna ala wadin hallalna wa kabbarna wartafa'at aswatuna faqala nabiyu sallallahu alayhi wa sallama يَا أَيُّهَا النَّاسُ سُرْبَعُوا عَلَىٰ أَنفُسِكُمْ فَإِنَّكُمْ لَا تَدْعُونَ أَصَمَّ وَلَا غَائِبًا إِنَّهُ مَعَكُمْ سَمِيعٌ قَرِيبٌ مُتَّفَقٌ عَلَيْهِ وَإِرْبَعُوا بِفَتْحِ الْبَاءِ الْمُوَحَّدَةِ أُرْفُقُوا عَفْوًا بِأَنفُسِكُمْ Sayyidina Abu Musa al-Ash'ari radiyallahu anhu narrates that uh, we were walking with the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and whenever we would uh, go uphill or uh, go upward, uh, 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 uphill out of a valley, we would say La ilaha illallah and we would say Allahu Akbar and we raised our voices. And the Messenger, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, uh, Oh people, uh, go easy on yourselves because you're not calling upon uh, one who is deaf or one who is absent. Indeed, uh, he is with you, and he hears, uh, and he is near. Um, meaning what? You can raise your voice, but don't raise your voice like, you know, like to a degree that, that uh, robs you of your dignity, uh, or is somehow unreasonable. Sallallahu ta'ala ala rasulihi Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.